Confucius said our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we do. Our guest today knows a thing or two about falling and rising, not only to the challenge, but to glory in the form of an Olympic standard time in the 10K. On the podcast today, Danny Shanahan of Hoka Northern Arizona Elite drops in to discuss her running career so far and her most recent meet in which she took a hard spill on the track, pulled herself back into the race, and smashed her personal best by a full minute. It is hands down my vote for best running story of 2020, and I cannot wait for you all to hear about it. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I am your host, Troy Bousseau, coming to you from sunny Colorado. It is January 18th, 2020, and this is episode 25. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing well. How are you, Troy? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for joining us today. On the podcast today, we have Danny Shanahan of the Hoka Northern Arizona Elites from Flagstaff, Arizona. Talk a little bit about some some running, some of your amazing, really kind of last 24 months, but certainly in the last uh, several months here, you've um, you've been hitting some pretty impressive milestones in your career and your in your running. So we'll dig into a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, first off, welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks again so much for having me. Yeah, indeed. So Flagstaff, Arizona, we were just talking. I grew up in Arizona. My brother, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, two of my sister-in-laws, in fact, went to NAU. It's a great school. We spent a lot of summers up there. I'm not much of a of a skier or anything, so we would go up there to escape the heat. So uh, how are you liking it in Flagstaff? I love days? it. Um, and we've had a pretty mild winter so far, which I really love because I'm from California. So like the <laughs> words were a bit of a stretch for me. Um, but yeah. I mean, to do what I'm doing, um, I don't really, I mean, you might argue because you're living in Boulder, but I don't think there's a place to be like you're at 7,000 feet, which is just ideal for training at altitude. There's dirt roads everywhere. I could run somewhere new every day if I wanted to. Um, and then also like if we do dump down the snow, we can get out of it really quickly. We can go down to Sedona, Camp Faraday, even like Phoenix if we're desperate. Um, so it, it's just a really great place to train and I have a um, situation with my team and I have that community, but then just the Flagstaff running community as a whole has been really welcoming and everyone's very connected. It feels like when one of us has a good day, like we all have a good day as this Flagstaff running community. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Flagstaff has sort of become uh, legendary really over the last, I don't know, kind of 15 or so years. It just feels like every year it gets bigger and bigger and, uh, you know, more more elites are coming out of Flagstaff and, and moving up there to train and things like that. So it, it feels like um, uh, there's certainly something in the air up there. Is is Flag proper? Like, is NAU campus at 7,000 feet or is it closer to 5,000? No, it's, I think the lowest it seven? in town is like maybe 7,000, like 6,700. Okay. 6, for the okay. most part, we're above 6,500 pretty much all the time. Okay. Um, okay. If to go, Sedona sits at like 4,500 and Camp Verde at like 3,100. So we're able to like run a bit yeah. down there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we're at 7,000 feet pretty much all the time. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that much higher than Boulder. I, I know like Snowball gets really yeah. high up there. It's, I don't remember what, what it is at the top of the, um, is that Humphreys? 
12,000, I think. Yeah, 12,000 something. Yeah, yeah. Always good for a nice headache. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Whenever so, I go so when it snows- immediate, like up to like 8,000 or 9,000, I immediately get a headache. I've been here for a couple of years now, and I'm pretty adjusted to living at altitude. Yeah. It's like, I can tell. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's you get super dehydrated really fast. That was one of the things that, you know, cuz like we would go up there as kids and things and, you know, not at all from a running perspective and uh you know, you wouldn't you weren't really thinking about the altitude and all that kind of stuff, you know, and all of a sudden your head is just pounding. You're like, what the hell's going <laughs> like, on? Like what's you wrong know? with me? So you just Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in um California and then went to Loyola Marymount um, for college for track, um, track and cross country, I assume. Did you run both? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, we're distance so, only school. So the cross country team is the track team and vice versa. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a small school, right? How many, how many students? 5,000 undergrad. Um, I stuck around for wow. grad as well. So that adds on a few more, but the grad students are just kind of come and go. Yeah. Was it, um, did you go to a small high school? Did you grow up in, yeah. okay. So was that kind of the draw where you, do you like that small, I mean, Flagstaff, Loyola, you know, did you, do you like that kind of small town? Feel? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say Loyola is like a small town feel because you are, right. in my opinion, in one of the best spots in LA, very close to literally anything you could want to get your hands on. Um, yeah. but as a campus, yes, it is very small. And I knew for me, I was a good student, but I wouldn't say I was like the most academically motivated person. And I knew if I was someone that was in a big lecture hall, I would just feel completely lost and I wouldn't get the most out of myself in my college studies. So I knew I had to go to a small school. I had come from a high school where it was like 1,200 kids. Um, so pretty small. Okay. Uh, not the tiniest, but like compared to the other high schools in my area, definitely on a sm the smaller side. It was like a private Catholic high school. Um, so yeah, I was used to that like smaller intimate environment and I knew that I wanted for my own like academic pursuits that I would do best in a place that capped its classes at like 45 kids. That's the biggest class I was ever in. Yeah. Um, and I tell my sister who's at UCLA now that, and she's like, that's insane to me. Like I have <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, I don't even know, like when they go their TAs, I don't even know what that's called because I just didn't have that in college. Um, yeah. she's like, those classes are bigger than your entire classes. Of, like, I know I could pretty much go back and say hi to any of my professors from LMU and they would remember me for the most part. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. a unique college experience. And I also just clicked really well with coach G when I first met him. Um, it's kind of funny cause I wasn't, I wasn't a high school stud until my senior year. I just kind of like took off here. Mm. Um, and he doesn't remember meeting me when I was a junior because I wasn't very fast. And he like kindly said, like, oh, come back later. And he has no recollection of me <laughs> whatsoever. Nice. So I give him a hard time nice. about that now. Yeah, it's kind of like Pretty Woman where she comes back and like shows the bags, like big mistake. Yeah, but joke's on me because you ended up going I, there, I so. went there and it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. What, what do you attribute that to? What were you just, was it just maturity, like physical maturity growing a little bit, getting faster? Or did you change your training up? How did you, what was the difference between yeah. uh, your senior year and the rest? So I did change my training that year. Um, I'm from the South Bay area in California. So there are a lot of powerhouse high schools in that area. Um, 
And one of them was Redondo Union High School. And they're like 10 minutes away from where I live or where I lived growing up. And um, their coach was very good. And my cross-country coach had just quit that year. So my dad kind of put things like, hey, you want to run in college? You improved, but like not enough to like go where you want to go. Like, you know, it's going to be good. Like, why not train with this program that has girls that are in college, on scholarships, state champions, all that good stuff. Um, so I trained with them during that summer and that coach coached me and my new high school coach that year was cool with it and just kind of let me do my thing and was very supportive and I'm still good friends with him now. Mm. So no hard feel. I wasn't like stepping on any toes or anything and they just kind of let, that was like the first time in my life that I had like good training partners that were really pushing me and I was training hard and really like understanding what it was like to like what it took to be really good at running um and that kind of that it took because honestly like before that I was like oh I'm pretty good like I'm from a small d4 school I'll be able to go to state well there um that's good enough I don't want running to be my whole life but then after that I was like okay no I, I do want my life to kind of be dictated by my athletics and running um so then that year I ended up like I was one CIF with state runner up. I was fourth in the sixteen hundred and thirty two hundred at state in California mm-hmm. that year. So like I, it just was from barely making state, barely cracking ten, I just took off um and wow. became like And so did you transfer to the no. school or do you just train um, with their team? So you can I trained with, if as long as it's not during season, there's nothing stopping me from going to their practices. Once I started racing in my high school, like for my high school, then um, we basically hired this other high school coach as like a third party coach for me. Um, And he would just write my workouts, send them to me. I'd go to my high school practice, tell them, hey, these are my workouts. And he was, okay um and let me do what I needed to do um but so I had like multiple coaches multiple teams kind of environment that year um and those girls from that other high school team are like still my best friends to this day that's awesome were you like going into that so obviously you were looking um you said you made that decision to kind of make running a bigger part of your future where um like, where did you, cause that's an interesting thing where, you know, you're not necessarily, I mean, you said you made state things like that. So you knew you were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, where was your, uh, I guess, had it not worked out, like where, where did you think your ceiling was at that point? Were you pretty confident that you were, um, a little undertrained and you just needed someone to sort of gather that potential out of you? Yeah. Um, I think at that point, like, I was definitely undertrained. Um, the longest I had run up until that point was like four to six miles. I remember one time when I first started training with this other team, I just made, I was like running with this girl that I, she's like now my very best friend. And she was one of their top girls. 
and I just kept running with her and made a wrong turn and accidentally went on like my first 10 mile run ever, which was like one of the hilliest <laughs> ever. And I had to like walk and I came back and Bob, the coach that I trained with, he was like, Oh, you went on that run. Are you okay? Okay. You made it through that. And then after that, I think he kind of like had a fear that I was yeah. going to end up being pretty good because that was a really, really like still to this day, that was one of the hardest runs in my life. Um, but wow. uh yeah i i was just significantly undertrained and i had early successes um at a small school small league smaller division um and i just like had this feeling that it's like i think i'm really really good at this but like it's just not it's not there yet. Like, I don't know what the difference is between me and those girls that are like making it on the finals and things like that. So just, yeah, making that training switch um, made a huge difference and surrounding myself with people that have like gone to bigger meets and had some early successes in their careers. Excuse me. Um, yeah. really helped. Was it something that you were recognizing? Sorry. Um, was it something you were recognizing in a race where you were able to hang with them for a couple of miles and, and there was just a different gear that some of these girls were having. Like, was there, um, you know, so like running is such an interesting thing because it's not like you do one thing for the most part, obviously you can sprint, you can do whatever, but it's not like, well, I'm, you know, really good at, you know, whatever, uh, three point shots, but not good at this other thing or, you know, something in basketball or something where you, there, there are 27 things that you can be great Mm -hmm. at. So where, you know, you said like there was some intuition there that you're like, I could be really good at this, but something's missing. What was the thing that was telling you that you were good? And what was the thing that you felt you were missing other than just volume and quality, I guess? Um, Honestly, like when I was very, very young, I would rate a big old dummy and just kind of put myself in the front, even in races where I probably like had no business being there. And like some about that just felt right to me. It's like I mm. felt like I belonged in that spot and that I could do something there. But then push came to shove and like the moves are being made. Like maybe it was just like my naivety or like lack of racing experience, but just I wasn't able to get there. So I think that was more of like the under training showing through and me just like not being put in the right situations or not trying to hold me back or I don't know, but I don't know. I just always had this feeling in my gut even early on that it's like, I want to win these things and I want to be good at it. Um, But then there was just an unwillingness to really put myself out there in the first few years of my high school running career and like really like give myself over to this thing that I knew that I wanted so then when I finally did that and um really just took to the training trained hard um for the first time in my life um, I was able to be there I I still raised money for a long time just kind of like running like running out front and then getting eaten up at the end um but it just like, I just remember it felt good. Like finally seeing that, like, okay, like I can do this. Like I, I knew I could but like here, I, I'm doing this now. Um, I yeah. hope the question. 
Yeah, no, 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 it, it did. Yeah. I mean, how important was it to, to uh, whether it was other girls or guys and girls on this other team, how important was, because obviously you were racing against these people, like you knew it was possible, you know what times are possible and things mm -hmm. like that. Is it that you start to get to know somebody and you can kind of see them and you're walking next to them and you're thinking, I should be as fast as this person. And then that's why the example matters or how important or why is it so important to be on a great team in an individual sport like yeah. running? Um, we'll disclose you on that one. I actually never would race against these girls, which is kind of a weird thing. Well, not those girls so specifically, like, but like you knew, you knew what was right. possible, you know? Okay in racing you knew what girls your age were running and and you knew there was this potential inside of you you know and so like versus just a coach saying hey go right. do these workouts and you go do them versus joining in with these other high level performers right. you know like was it is it psychological is it physical both how how did it really affect you to be able to run with these right. girls i think it almost ties into what i'm doing now and who i'm training with now it's you show up every day, you know what's expected of you, and you know what the people next to you are capable of, and they help raise you to that level, um, and you do the same for them. So then by the time that it comes time to race and you're lining up next to these people, your friends, but also your competitors, you know exactly what they're capable of, and you know you've trained with them the whole time, so you know that that's what you're capable of, too. Um, I think that's something that like even to present day that like accounted for a huge part of the race that I had in December where I ran a minute faster than I ever had in the 10,000 meters and something that even like a few months before might have seemed impossible. Um, yeah. So I think it's just if you surround yourself with people and training, you help elevate each other and you have this environment that builds like competitive competitive camaraderie almost in a way like it's not like a toxically competitive environment like I love working out with my teammates because I know they're going to kick my butt and that's going to help me get the best out of myself when it matters um and I think yeah. that more and more people in the professional running world are realizing that and that's why you see so many more groups because you know like I spent a lot of time training by myself in college and I know that there were days I probably could have gotten more of out of myself if someone was there to just really really hard to pull that extra bit out when like you're fighting your own inner demons during a workout phase um but when there's someone else there that's able to pull you it it helps you just kind of push that aside and just go and just get it yourself um because how you're feeling doesn't matter you have to yeah. help this other person yeah so your collegiate career um you know again so you build up as you said, you're sort of a stud in your senior year in high school, and then you step onto the into the collegiate ranks. You were pretty successful coming right out of the gate, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you walk in there as a freshman. How is that, you know, going into, again, a smaller school, you're the underclassman, the freshman, there's probably a lot of seniors on the team. Is that a, is that a supportive community? Is it a, a sort of... Um, you know, sort of uh, get in line type of community. How were you received when you went to uh, college and were the sort of the, the underclassmen? Yeah. Um, for the most part, it was welcoming. Now that like, I think back on it, I realized that like I was that pain in the ass freshman. Um, <laughs> and I feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, I remember because we had a fifth year that year 
uh, who she still holds the school record in the 5,000. Like she's very good. Um, if she went on to like run professionally for like a year after. Um, so she was legit. And like, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do everything Sheree does. And um, I remember there was one workout in particular during, I think cross country, and we would do these like two and a half mile tempo repeats, essentially. Um, and <laughs> it was a windy day. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit behind Sheree, not mm. thinking how rude that oh, was. No. Yeah. And then I like sat behind her for the whole first rep, I remember. And then the next one, she's like, okay, then you're going to lead the entire second rep. And I remember she just like stepped me for the first mile that was like uphill and into the wind and then just blew past me. Um, so I was that freshman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, like, I came in and they were all really welcoming. They weren't like mad that I was this really good freshman. It was more of just kind of this sense of excitement because Sheree was there and she was very good. She had made nationals the year before yeah. um, in cross country. And then I came in with this other girl who was a JV transfer um, that was like me and her ended up being pretty close to get like training partners for the next couple of years. Um, and she had a first year too. So I was actually like our number three to four girl for the most part that freshman year. So it was like a pretty solid okay. team. Um, so it was more of like, sense of, at least to me, it seemed more of like a sense of excitement that, oh, like we're going to be good moving forward, even though we're losing our number one yeah. girl next year. Um, we have like a really solid squad. Um, and that, that definitely like carried over for the next years. But yeah, I, I definitely made quite a few freshman errors. Um, and, but I don't think it was like a, oh no, there's this, young fast girl coming in she's threatening it, it was very welcoming um I, I had a good time my freshman year cross country so some yeah were you afforded a like sort of a normal collegiate uh life like as a as a college student um with with your running career at the time like is there enough time to enjoy college with all the running and everything uh yes but quite honestly that was never like the biggest priority for me um full disclosure part of the reason I chose LMU is because it's not known for being a party school. Yeah. Um, that wasn't something that was high up on my priority list. So I, I definitely like had some fun in college, but I, I, I call it like my running filter. I would kind of like put things through my running filter and just kind of like weigh it. Like, okay, is it have a long run? Is it worth it to go do this thing? Yeah. Probably not. I think I'll just stay home, kind of. Um, so I was just lame. <laughs> but yeah, so I definitely like had my fun in college, but I more so just enjoyed being in that part of LA and exploring that part of LA. Um, just like LA is my home. So it was fun, like getting to, because I knew the South Bay area very well. Then just getting to explore more of like the West Side, Marina Del Rey, Venice, Santa Monica. That's kind of more what I did fun versus like going out and like having traditional college experiences. I'd take that any day over over partying. I mean, frankly, that's just a, a phenomenal place to call home. Um, so when you go into college, you know what it, what's your goal? Are you is this all about running, paying for a degree? 
and then you go do your professional life, at what point do you, or, or do you enter college with aspirations of professional running, Olympics, all that kind of stuff? Um, more of matter, which okay. is kind of funny considering where I ended up going to school. It's not a place that's known for turning out <laughs> high-level distance runners. Um, but I think that my cocky little ass, my senior year, saw how quickly, like, my, like, just up trajectory. I was like, oh, like, I could totally keep this up. Like, I could definitely run professionally if I keep just improving at this rate and sure. make teams. So I kind of go into college thinking about that sort of thing. Um, and it was definitely always kind of on my mind that that was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did put quite a bit of stock into that early on. Okay. Um, I wanted to have a very successful college career and it wasn't just like a means to an end of paying for school. Like that's where I wanted to be to go to school. Um, but also that I wanted to have a lot of success in yeah. NCAA running. Was it, um, obviously you wanted to go to a smaller school. Were there other schools that you wanted to go to that maybe had you peaked a little earlier, like junior year, you would have had more opportunities or was that the school that you really wanted to go to? It was a school I really wanted yeah. to go to. Um, it just kind of checked all the boxes for me yeah. um, and it ended up working out pretty well. It got me to where I am. Um, looking back, I think I maybe, if professional running was in the game, I maybe could have gone somewhere that might have set me up for those racing opportunities better. But overall, like I don't regret where I went. Like I really enjoyed my time there. I yeah. loved Coach G. Um, it worked out. So, yeah, I, I didn't ever really think about transferring, um, when it came down to it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So going, you know, you're, you're in high school, you're entering your senior year. There's all this infrastructure around like, where am I going to go to college? Let me go talk to coaches, things like that. As, as you project forward four years or however long it took you to graduate and you're leaving college, and you're a high level runner and you have aspirations of professional running and things like that. What is the, um, for those listening that are maybe on this trajectory or have children that are on this trajectory, what does it look like when, you know, you're not, um, you know, the, you're, you're not winning a national championship, but you're very good. You're solid. You have room to grow all of those things. Um, like what is, what does the process look like? When do you start looking beyond college? When do you start talking to agents and teams? And um, yeah, how do you get into competitions and all of those types of things? Like, what right. does that life look like? Yeah, I'm really glad you're asking me about this because I, there isn't a book for how to become a professional runner. It's, yeah, there doesn't seem no, to be. No, there's one camp. And like, by the time that camp was happening, I had already kind of figured out what I was going to do. Um, I was fortunate that I was able to talk. I had a, a good friend who was had a sponsorship. She still has a sponsorship with Wazelle. She runs a, with Run Little Women, um, Rebecca Mira. We're like from the same area growing up, South Bay. Um, and other LMU grad, grad Tara Welling, um, those were kind of like my two touch points. And I was fortunate to have people talk to about it. Um, so I would say, like, first of all, 
if you're looking to run professionally, try to find people to talk to because there isn't a guide to doing it. And the best way is to just kind of gather as much information as you can from people in the industry. But even once I did a lot of it was like a learn as you go. Um, secondly, if you're someone like me who doesn't have any national titles, I don't, um, you, people aren't typically going to come to you. Um, I was lucky Ben did actually reach out to my coach about me. Um, I won the Mount Sac 10K my senior year, and then I was put in contact with him in 2017 um, and told him I had a fifth year, I'm going to be staying. And he was like, okay, we're going to do recruiting this year. Maybe we'll see. But then he ended up, I'd ended up working out really well that he decided to sign more women. And Ben being. The year that I was graduating. Ben being my current coach um, at NAV, where I'm at. So time-wise, it ended up working out really well. But typically, the coaches don't reach out. Um, For agents, um, for someone like me that didn't have a huge salary starting out, and it was more of just a spot on a team and kind of a more of a housing stipend sort of thing, I didn't get an agent until this fall. Um, I recently signed on with Josh Cox and he's been great. Um, Actually met him the same time that I met with Ben. But for me, the reason I didn't get an agent early on is because in my team infrastructure, the things the agent would do, I was able to get them done Mm. through Ben and Jen, who's my coach and his wife who run NPD. so since I was on like a well-established team and had connections, I was able to get into races, no problem. Okay. Um, but for the most part, like the whole industry, it is just, it is a lot of self-promotion. Like you have to kind of narrow in on your brand, which sounds like I'm still doing the work on doing and do have to promote yourself to coaches, races, agents, and essentially like, your fan base um because that's what your sponsor is paying you for is to reach as many people as possible to help sell their shoes like yes we're paid to run fast but essentially we're working with them to get hoka's name out as much as possible and we do that mostly through running fast and performing well at races um so yeah i think that you have to be confident marketing yourself and having conversations with people and reaching out to people that might seem higher up and scary, but everyone in yeah. like the running community that I've met is just so nice and so welcoming. And I'd even be willing to say that I, if there's a professional, like an aspiring professional runner out there listening to this, like DM me and ask me questions about it. Like, cause they're just, especially coming from a smaller school and not, like my friend Rebecca, she went to Stanford. So there were a bunch of people that she knew that were rationally. So she had a lot of different voices and opinions in different groups. Yeah. And she was able to talk to a lot of people. I had two people. And even then she like reached out to a lot of different people okay. side of her Stanford bubble. So ask around. We're not scary. We don't bite. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like it down the line, like it is, it will serve you well learning as much as you can yeah. before you get into it. Um, just because there, it, it is more just talking to people, getting to the industry through being in it, um, so than the, like 
oh, this is what you do to be a professional runner. Got it. So let's back up. Let's talk specifically about uh, meeting Ben, the outreach there. So what does that look? So, you know, there's, um, you, you mentioned, you know, like part of your job or a big part of any professional runner's job, obviously, is to win races, but also to sell shoes, frankly. And so when you start thinking about the teams, the coaches, the sponsors that are out there, how, you know, things like, is it important that you like the shoes? Do you wear that particular brand? You know, um, what does that outreach start to look like for you? When did it start for you in college? So are we junior year, senior year? Do you, is it literally just sort of like an email campaign? Do you have video reel? Do you, you know, like what's the, what do you put together as the Danny Shanahan package to go shop yourself around? Yeah. Um, with Ben, I know I said that you typically don't get recruited, but that was kind of, I did essentially okay. get a bit recruited. So he reached out to coach G about me in 2017, right after I ran, I won, um, the Mount Sac 10,000. Okay. Um, it was like a kick finish. There are a bunch of like pictures on the internet going around about it. I was terrible, but you know, Ben found me. So fine. <laughs> um, so he reached out to coach G, um, that may, yeah. Um, cause he was in town for the USF classic at Oxy. He had some people running and I trained in Los Angeles. So we were in the same place at the same time. Um, and, and Josh actually came and like watched me work out that year. Um, and let me like pick their brains, answer any questions that I might've had. And it was great. Like, um, but I was planning on doing a fifth year. So I was a senior at that point. So I still had cross country eligibility. And then we used my indoor eligibility to stay for a full year so I could do a master's. Um, so I told him, thank you for your interest essentially, but I'm leaving yet. Um, I would love to talk to you when I do leave. Okay. Um, and he was kind, but honest. Ben is. Um, he's never going to be asked you. He said, okay, I'm still planning on recruiting women this year. If that pans out, there just might not be a roster spot. Um, but we can touch base next year and see where we're at. And I said, okay. Um, so it was like a little bit of a gamble not being then, but it ended up working out where he ended up deciding to recruit that next year. Um, so I came in with three other women. Um, and it was great. And that worked well. Other than that, I did kind of reach out to one or two other coaches and I just kind of like sent an email of, Hey, here, like a running resume. Yeah. I called it. Um, where like you just put your running accomplishments and, um, what you want to do, your goals, that kind of thing. And just send it out and like fishing. So you come back. So, yeah. I talked to one other coach. It was more of a program that didn't have any funding, but I knew people on it and um, it ended up just not being the right fit for me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really lucky to have ended up where I was, where I'm at. Um, very thankful to Ben and Hoka for just taking a chance on me. Um, I had a great college career, but nothing that was, crazy I just had very steady progression which showed a lot of potential down the road which now I think we're starting to see so um 
I, I would also say that for if you have a like mine um, where you have like a second team All-American certificate and some pretty good time, you you have to sell that potential more so than the accomplishments because you're going against people that have better accomplishments. Yeah. Um, for reaching out to agents, I was in a different situation at that because I did that this fall. So I had already known the people that at least if I hadn't already talked to them, I at least love them and knew of like their rapport with their athletes because they represent other people on my team and that sort of thing. Um, so I just asked, a, well, I probably didn't even have to send a friend for his like emails. I could just go into like our team email stuff because the agents get CC'd and mm. just find them and that sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of it is just doing your own research and knowing how to market yourself well. Yeah. And so, um, so you get on this team, uh, Northern Arizona, um, the Hoka team up in Flagstaff. And then are you, uh, are you, uh, obviously you get, uh, Josh Cox as your agent. So now there's, you know, other endorsement deals and other things that you could potentially go out and do your, your racing, your entire profession, uh, has basically been gutted over the last year. <laughs> there's not a lot of races going on. And so what is life, what is, what has 2020 been like for you guys? How do you, I guess, provide value back to Hoka in, in a year where there, you've sort of had the ability to provide value taken away from you? Right. Um, I think I was a little bit out of the loop, quite honestly, because I was hurt for a good part of the year. Um, I had some nagging hamstring stuff from April until mid-June. And then as soon as I was coming back from that, I strained two ligaments in my foot. So I was out for a good five-ish months. Um, I would, so for me, it was kind of like trying to hold my own emotions with all of it while also being in a pandemic and all that fun stuff. Um, so there is definitely more that I could have done, but I think that as group NAZ did a really good job, like with inner squad meets and streaming those and trying to set things up with like team Boulder, um, that sort of thing. So there was a good phase where the only racing people on my team were doing were inner squad races, but we have a really good team. So even though it, felt like a glorified practice kind of thing um i think that as a whole we did a really good job marketing that in a way to make it seem exciting and to give people something and where there was nothing um so yeah there were three or four um inner squadrons that we tried to set up in a fun way um, and people ran pretty well people yeah. ran pretty quick in these races so I think it was a good way to help people kind of jumpstart their training, give them something to look forward to, even if it's traditional, but also to provide value to our sponsor um, by giving them these races that were yeah. not as big as like the Olympic trials, but it was something when there was nothing. When did you come off injury? What month was that? Joel, oh, my friend was on my birthday in August when I was like, well, that my first run on the ground because I did – a few days on like a light speed sort of things, like an alter G esque yeah. thing. Um, then, then my first run on the ground was on my birthday. So August 13th. 
August. Wow. Okay. So August to December, because I want to get into this. Like you, yeah. <laughs> one minute, <laughs> one minute PRs in the 10K aren't supposed to really happen like that, especially what four months or yeah, four months off of uh, off of an injury. So we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um, what was I going to ask you? Something about what you just said. And shoot, I lost my train of thought on that one when I uh, jumped in there. Oh, the team wise, um, the. I mean, like I, I'm, I'm kind of sitting across from the other side of the table from you on this one, where you know, as a as a Northern Arizona runners or whatever, is there um, is there sort of like a, a level of planned attrition? So they come and recruit you to join this team. You are showing a lot of potential, but as you said, you're not like you know some four time national champion who is you know, you know number one with a bullet going to the Olympics here yet. So like, is it something where a team like that, are they recruiting and are they going to bring on five runners hoping that one sort of hits? Is it just a, a combination of, you know what I mean? Like do, how does uh do you, or maybe, maybe you're not even aware of how they look at a team like that, but from your perspective, how much are they trying to sort of like build a team around like-minded people playing to a team strength versus just amassing the best athletes that they can find? I mean, ideally it would be both, right? Yeah. Um, I will say for us, being a good teammate does hold a lot of value um, because so much of what we do, everything we do is so team-oriented and it's all about bringing out the best in each other. So if someone isn't going to be a good fit, in that sort of thing, um, then they probably yeah. aren't a good fit for us. Ultimately, Ben makes those decisions. Yeah. Um, Without naming names, eat. have you guys had to get rid of athletes that just weren't gelling with the team, like for personality um, reasons, or are they pretty good at weeding that out up front? I'm not the person to ask for that. Sure. I think Ben makes more so those decisions. Um, I've gotten along with everybody, so... <laughs> um but yeah it being a good teammate is a high priority here um and but I also think that people know that about our group so I don't think they would be interested in us if they weren't interested in doing that as well um as far as I know as long as I've been here it hasn't really been an issue um the people that have left since I've been here more so they just want to do something else or wasn't quite the right fit and they acknowledge that and they left or they yeah that sort of thing um people just growing in different directions um but yeah i for me i would also say that ben doesn't put people on the roster that he doesn't believe in so he must have seen something in me early on even though i wasn't the highest touted recruit out of ncaa yeah so you, um, all right, 2018, your 10 K first off, you know, you, so you're, you're racing the 1500 meter, the 5,000 meter, the 10,000 meter. What is your favorite? Like, what do you feel like you're best at? Now I'd say 10 K. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, currently 10 K that's just kind of, I think a product of the way our training is as well. Um, I think I, a few months ago, I probably would have said 5K. Yeah. Um, but I also think that answers 
changes with the way our sport is unfolding. Um, there are a couple pretty much shoe-ins and the 5K and that kind of moves things around. There's also a lot of women that have run under 15 minutes. So like doing that four years ago, it would have basically guaranteed you an Olympic spot because there weren't that many people doing it. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, if I even want to have a shot to make the team, I realistically need to run at least 15 low um, to be in contention for that. Um, which makes sense with where the standards are and whatnot, but just the way the sport and the events changed in the last few years, I think the 10K gives me the most opportunities. Got it. And do you think that it was just a, you, you kind of alluded to it, but the, the, the style of training that is that a Hoka thing or a NAZ thing where that that's just kind of how the team is built around that type of distance? Is it that the, the person that you run with most often? Is it just your physical ability started to sort of go longer rather than shorter? What do you combination of all of it? Like have uh, you been training more both. specifically? To the 10k yeah i mean i've been i mean in the fall yes i did i trained specifically for the 10k because okay. that was the big race opportunity yeah. for the fall um but overall we are just a very aerobically training based group um even when i do 5k specific work it's still very aerobic um add that on to seven thousand feet and all that good stuff and training with marathoners and that kind of thing um but I mean, I wouldn't like pigeonhole myself. Like I know I could run a good 5k. I, I believe I can also run a good 1500. I'm kind of a more like speedier member of the team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that overall, yes, we do gear more towards an aerobic kind of training. Um, so I think that kind of helps point me more so in the 10k, but I think that the potential to run a good 5k is there. Yeah. Um, but the focus for me at least will kind of remain on those two events and I probably won't step down or go up too much. Got it. Okay. So this is my last business question that I do want to talk about, about your race in December, but, um, marketability wise, do you like, is there a different level of marketability, the longer the distance, um, you know, 5k to 10k to then marathons and things like that. Obviously ultras have been exploding and there's a ton of um, marketability and, and sponsorships available there. Do you care? Do you think about that in terms of like, does that sway you at all in terms of where you want to take your career and what distances you want to specialize in? Yeah. Um, yes. I think there are different marketability for different kinds of racing. Um, I think if you're, primarily on the road there's more opportunities there because with mass participation races those races typically yeah. have money than track races um but for me at least i know i'm going to run in the events that i'm most excited about and for me that's typically shorter road races and track races okay um and i think that just running well and putting myself in those kinds of positions where i'm up front and pushing and trying to win races at those kinds of levels. Um, I like higher track, higher level track races. Uh, Cause that's what gets me excited right now. That's going to up my marketability. Cause that's what I feel like I'm going to run well in uh, ruling out running longer on the roads at some point, but that doesn't get me as excited as yeah. other sort of things do. So I think it's kind of weighing the opportunities and also weighing like what you really want to do with your career. Cause if, 
I mean, we're not all, not all, we're professional runners. We're not in it for the money. Otherwise we maybe would have done another <laughs> kind of sport. Um, yeah. So I think that you really have to think about like, okay, how, how I get the most out of myself and have the career that I kind of, that I want to have while also financially being stable. And maybe that's some give and take here and there, but ultimately making sure that you're the most prepared for the races you're excited about. Yeah. Okay. I lied. There is one more sort of businessy type of question. So, cause yeah. I, cause you, because you just sort of tipped it off there. This the, what is your life like as a professional, um, runner. So I assume you're li- you live in a pretty big mansion up in Flagstaff and you drive your Land Rover to practice every morning. Um, no other cares in the world, no, no jobs or anything like that. What's, uh, what is, what's the reality of life as a professional runner these days? Yeah. Um, well, I do still work another job. Okay. Um, I work part-time at the Boys and Girls Club of Flagstaff. Uh, I'm in, I work as an executive assistant slash and donor management, and I'm now kind of dappling in program planning. Um, so that's been, that keeps me pretty busy. Um, I, I'm, since I'm in a group environment, my training days are pretty structured. Like we'll meet once to twice, almost every day, um, with one day typically on our own. So I'm lucky where my position at Boys and Club is part-time and mostly online and I can work from home and my boss has been very understanding um with traveling and training and that sometimes I'm going to work weird hours and you might get an email at like 8 p.m um (laughs) so during the week most of my time is either training eating a little bit of recovery and then working the right day um I also have a dog and I'll go walk her a bit kind of thing but my days are typically pretty structured. It's like go run, come home, eat, do any sort of media thing like this that I might have because that's part of my job too. Yeah. And then I'll go lift after this and then I'll be working the rest of the day until it's time to eat again. Um, so what kind of programs are so, you designing for um, boys and girls? Girls, Are we going to see a bunch of super speedy uh, youngins around Flagstaff? Not that there aren't already a ton of them. But. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Since it is bike staff, we should have a running program. So um, the team director asked me if I wanted to be involved in that. She has something set up with, um, it's called Red Speaker Project. They wanted to donate shoes, but they wanted to do it with a running program. So they know I run professionally. So I was the obvious person to ask if I wanted to be involved. Um, So I'm really excited about it. We're looking to have that start up in um, March or April depending on kind of how things end up panning out. But yeah, we can plan that program and um, get certain people involved in it. And since it is Flagstaff and I do have those connections, I would like to like get some people that I know involved in it. Um, I don't know. I just think we're in Flagstaff, which is like one of the running meccas of the world. Like why shouldn't we have a really good running program? And yeah, it's, we're working on that right now. I'm excited about it. Yeah, growing up in Arizona, Flagstaff always had really, really strong wrestling programs, and it was always their cardio. They were, like, not big guys or anything. It wouldn't throw you around, but they would just outwork you for six minutes, and it, they would just kill you on that. Yeah. All right, so let's 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 uh, jump into the fun stuff here. So you, um, again, like, you, at your at your level, like you shouldn't see 60 second or 60 plus second PRs. You go from a, what was it? 32, 22 to a 31, 22. 
sort of in a blink of an eye here. And you did it in, I think, I think it's the the running story of the year. I love the, I mean, oh, thank you. I, I do. I mean, I don't, I sort of looked on Twitter and, and there was, you were, you were sort of in the running. I don't know if, did you, did you get like the, whatever the, um, uh, they were talking about like the running story of the year. I think it was the running story of the year. I don't know where I followed this thread. I'll send it to you afterward. But um, so you, uh, well, you're going to tell the story because it's it's great. But so you jump into this race, uh, 10K. Do How are you feeling like towing the start line that morning? Is there anything in your brain that is telling you like it's going to be a special day? I mean, I, I knew it was going to be a special day like a month before. Okay. Um, I was like, I've been trading at a level that I didn't even know was possible. Like there are times where I didn't even think that trading at that kind of level was like possible for me. Wow. Um, so I knew by the time we got to the race that like, we all kind of knew like my, me and my three other teammates that were in it. I remember um, the week of the race, like I'm running with Kellen and she just turns to me. She's like, I'm, so excited to see what you're going to do this weekend. I was like, thanks, me too. Um, <laughs> wow, that's but, cool. Like when like, we all just knew that I was going to do something big, we just didn't know what it was going to look like, but none of us were surprised that I ran what I did. Wow. Okay. Was it a different style of workout? Was it diet? Just everything? Just sort of the culmination of no. two years up there? And I. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do a workout that during this segment, there's maybe one or two workouts that I hadn't done before. Um, the difference in that was they were just faster and harder. And um, I was playing them with Steph and Kellen and Lauren, um, who like earlier on, I was kind of like had a little bit of a dialed back training from them because I just wasn't there yet. Um, and part of it too was like, Ben and I had a conversation um, in October. It was like, okay, you've had some successes, but like we haven't had that big one yet. Why is that? And I admitted that like I had been running pretty scared and like coming from the smaller environment that I came from, like I had a hard time truly betting on myself when it came down to it in those big situations because I just hadn't had the same amount of experience as someone coming from a big school had um coming going into the professional world like all the big races they all felt like an ncaa national meet to me which i had only gone to a small handful of um so i kept like giving myself this out in my training and my racing it's like oh you have time you have time like you're young like you're an early on in your professional career like you'll have other olympic cycles and we talked about it and we kind of talked about that. And he was like, what if you don't like, what if this is the only, you don't know what's going to happen. What if this is the only Olympic cycle you go through? Like, I want you to have a long career. I think you will, but what if you don't? Yeah. Um, and why aren't you betting on yourself and believing in yourself? Um, and that was coupled with that summer. Um, Steph Kellen and Lauren had ran fantastic 10,000 meters and, quite honestly what I had run at that point like just wasn't up to par with the rest of the team um so we're like okay we need something big um and you need to kind of do the work to move that switch whatever it may be um so I mean I just 
kind of transformed myself into someone different than I was six months ago. Yeah. Um, so by it, doing that work and what, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, so was it like, was it the monsters in your head? Was it like during a hard workout where you were just like, you can't do this, man. You, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it had kind of like, since I came in, um, team, I was always a little bit behind. I had like training wise, a big aerobic gap to fill, um, to catch up to everyone else. And also the other girls that I came in with had already at altitude for years. So there was, I was behind training wise. And then physiologically, I was also just trying to adjust. Um, and then that kind of takes a toll on you when every workout you're getting dropped and dropped and dropped. So that suddenly it just becomes normal that you're getting dropped and you don't do anything about it yeah um so i did start working with a sports psychologist this last year um our whole team did and then i sought out individual sessions with her as well um and that's helped a lot to just kind of like you find the tools to pull out the best of myself mentally um and yeah just really starting for myself and like really it's funny, like talking about like my cocky high school me. It's like, yeah. yes, I can remember how I can make teams, and like she was so certain of that. And then now I'm actually trying to do it, and it's this doubt. Um, so yeah, just really working through that and owning my spot on this team and owning my spot in this professional running world, and just really betting on myself and believing that when the time comes to it, I'm going to do my best and that best isn't going to have some kind of like mental cop out in it um what does that look like by the way the working with a sports psychologist can you give some insight into what like what what do you talk about is it something where you're just they're just kind of trying to like dig into those negative thoughts and that and that gremlin in your head or or what's what does that look like yeah more of the opposite um something that Shannon does with all with everyone that kind of works in with her is um, you set up a mental performance plan and it's not so much of digging into the gremlins it's more so finding those moments where you have been your best Mm. and talking about those and talking about the commonalities between those and talking about how you can bring those out at will kind yeah. of thing. Um, so we talked about some of the best races I had had up to that point, and we pulled out pieces of my personality and the way that I raced that I'm proud of um, and talked about how we can try to find some techniques to get them out and to help me like see that I've already done it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So that going to do it again, after a level, it's not so scary anymore. Yeah. So have you put like this December race in a little bottle and and just like stuck a cork in that thing so you can break out those memories anytime you want and just draw on those? Yeah, I know. My mental performance (laughs) plan does need some updates now. (laughs) Totally. Um, All right. So let's go to race, race day on that, on that race. So you're towing the star line. You, you're kind of going into it, as you said, you know, something special is, is coming. Um, gun goes off. You're running. Yeah. Um, Don, 
I just kind of wanted to find my teammates and sit in a line with them as long as I could. Cause I knew if I did that, I would feel even physically feeling comfortable. Emotionally, I would feel very comfortable for a very long time because I had done a lot of that that year. Did the um, three of you have a plan going into this race? Like, okay, this is what we're going to do and, and how we're going to coordinate, or is it just something you've trained together so much? It just we all individually talked with Ben. Okay. Um, it's the one thing he did kind of tell us, tell all of us, I think, was he wanted us to all get near the front because we we were all fit. And if it came down to it and there were any kind of separation happening, um, we knew that the four of us could run the standard. So I think that was a commonality. I don't know what he told everyone else after that, but um, we typically all do talk with him individually beforehand. Um, so and, and we sorry, all for, for those listening, you said the standard. What is the standard that you're referring to? Uh, the standard is the Olympic stand. So in the U.S., you need to be top three at the Olympic trials. But if you don't have the Olympic standard, then sorry. Okay. Um, so the, the, at the trials, it's going to be the top three people who have the Olympic standard okay. go. So in order for me to go to the Olympics, something may happen next year or this this year, Ooh, this year. Um, <laughs> happened fast. <laughs> I keep forgetting, and then I remember. Yeah, um, I needed to run under thirty-one twenty-five. Okay. So it sounded like a tall ask on her, but then all my training was kind of directing towards okay, that's feasible, hard but feasible. Um, yeah, we all went into that race trying to run the Olympic standard so we wouldn't have to worry about it this it. spring so that we can just train for the trials. And when the trials come, just on top three, not having to worry about, oh, I don't have the standard. I hope this is a fast race. Like, what if I'm top three and I don't have the standard? Yeah. Like, because that would suck. Yeah. Um, so it's a huge, just sigh of relief. Let's me relax a little bit in a year that's, not a lot doesn't have a lot of chill yeah. um what the performances are asking but it's a huge ask that's done and i don't have to worry about and i can go into the um trials knowing who has a standard and knowing i have it too and essentially those are the people i need to be cool all right so you're back you're back on the track let's put you back on the track here you're you're tucked in behind your two uh teammates there and you're running along yeah um i'm just like trying to stay relaxed as long as possible. And I felt good. Um, I tried not to think about how too fast we were running, <laughs> but like every now and then it's like, wow, like we're like moving and I feel this isn't hard. Like I feel great. Um, I'm just doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm near the front, staring at the back of Kellen's head. Like I'm in a good spot. Everything was going well. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then around oh, lap 11, okay. um, some step, one of the pacers steps off. And the next one is kind of like finding her footing a little bit. And she's up in the front. So I think she gets a little bit of a surge of excitement in the pace, pick, quickens a little. Um, and one of the other girls kind of near the front of the pack doesn't quite respond to it. So people start going around her and I am glued to the back of Kellen's head and Kellen's going around her and I'm like, okay, I'm going um, out a little. 
and I feel my foot get clipped and next thing I know I am face down on the track oh, man. <laughs> like full on plant just like I don't even know if it was like a just just like a complete down or if it was like face plant and then skid a little I think it was skid a little based off of the track rash I had after. Yeah, I think so. um so <laughs> yeah so everyone says like how quickly I got back up. But like in that moment, it's like, it's such a big moment for me. Right. It's like a do or die sort of thing. Like I came out here to run this standard and all of a sudden I'm on the ground. So it's like, okay, I think I'm fine. Nothing, anything like seriously hurt. Uh, I better just get back up and get onto the pack. Like now, um, I get back up, uh, and I get back onto the back of the front pack. Um, How long did it take you to, it, to get back up there? Were you pretty... I, like onto the front pack or back yeah. where I was? Uh, onto on, the front pack. Yeah, just onto the pack. About into the front of the pack, another like lap. Wow. Um, I back up and I think I just like had so much adrenaline like going through me that like once I got back onto the pack, I was just like, okay, now I'm running too slowly. So then I just kind of kept moving my way on up. And I was also like, I just want to find my teammates because I know if anything happens up front, like I know they'll react to it and I know I need to be there. I don't want to be on the back of this pack just hanging on. That's just like a recipe for disaster later on. I'm not doing it. Um, And I assume they're aware of what happened, right? I mean, does it? No. No, not at all. I think one of them, because she was running a little bit behind me in the line and the other two, they had no idea wow. that, that had happened. Um, I, I don't even know if they knew that I like felt like that I had left the pack because I was behind both of them. Um, and so, are, you, are you thinking at this time, like I can get back there. This is still my, I'm still running the time today. Like, or are you just like, oh man, I can't believe I'll get them next time. Like I'm still going to run hard, but like, no, I'm still trying to run the standard. Okay, so you're still you're <laughs> um, still believing. You're still yeah. Okay, yeah, because it's like I came out there to do a job essentially, and that job was to run the standard, and I knew that I would be really if I didn't do it. Um, yeah. so I was going to do everything that I could to run it. Um, and so yeah, I get back onto the back of the front pack, and then just kind of start moving my way back up, and then. A lap and a half later, I'm just tucked back in behind Kellen like nothing happened. Unreal. And I remember thinking at that point, I was either I was like, okay, I still might be having the race of my life, or I just massively screwed myself over by the way I got back up into this pack. <laughs> um, thankfully, it was more so of the former, but I do yeah. think that um, when it kind of came down for that last push and the last mile, I had expended a lot of energy earlier on, um, just getting back up into the pack. I didn't quite have much pop left. It would be because I was running a 10 K a lot faster than I ever had before in my life. Um, so then Steph and I fell off around four laps to go. And then we just really worked together to get that standard. Um, So yeah, it was a great day. Have you done the (laughs) math? Have you done the math to cut that, to cut the fallout and no, sort of like where your time would have been? I mean, is there, there's, you know. Like, I think it was only a few seconds. Okay. Um, 
but like, I don't know, those few seconds make a difference. Yeah. And it could have been, um, I, I think it was like three or four seconds. Yeah. I, it wasn't that much. I do think that I went to it thinking that the higher end of my fitness level was somewhere around the standard. Um, who knows? Maybe I would have run 31, 15, 31, 10. Yeah. I don't know. But I do think that 31, 20 was kind of the tallest ask for where my fitness was that day. Yeah. Um, so to be able to run that, even after taking a pretty nasty spill, um, I, I was pretty happy with it. I wasn't thinking, yeah. oh, what if I, what if I hadn't fallen? Like what might have happened? I also think that I had so much adrenaline pumping through me sure. throughout the rest of the race that I just didn't feel much of the racing pain because I was more just like adrenaline hyper focused in the rest of the time. Um, so who knows, maybe it benefited yeah. me. I don't know. Um, now I wonder how much but, of that too was like your, you know, the, the, um, the mental coach and those sort of positive, you know, you'd been trained on those positive thoughts, the adrenaline, obviously your level of fitness and your just belief going into that day. It seemed like there was all of these yeah. things that converged. Cause when I was, when I first started reading about this story and I think I listened to you on another podcast where you know, you were sort of talking about this and I, I had this picture of like a lot of fighters will have this, like until you get hit in the face, you're just so nervous, you know, all of these things are, you know, it's like you're, it's like you're, you can't even lift your arms sometimes. And then you get hit in the face and it's like, okay, now it's, now it's on. But judging by everything you just said, like you were so confident going into that. So it's almost the opposite of that. It's all of the, all of those great things had stacked up where, you know, yeah. So what I fell, you know, I'm getting back up and I'm, you know, you sort of look like this, it's you know, like, I'm sort of, running the standard hell or high water. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Nothing is going to stand in my way. Who cares? Yeah. You know, it's funny because yeah. you watch a lot of like track and field and until you're doing, you know, until you're in a race and you see someone 10 feet in front of you and you just cannot catch them. It's so maddening watching the television, you know, like, just run faster, you know, you're right there. But it's, you know, I mean, the fact that you were able to fight all the way back, and I'm sure some of those other um, runners who must have seen you fall because you, you know, they ran past you and then you pat, they've got to be thinking to themselves, what the hell? Like, man, yeah. what did she have for breakfast? <laughs> no, like Rachel, who ended up winning, like after the race, she like comes up to me, doesn't even give me a chance to congratulate her. She's like, oh my God, Danny, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Congratulations. You did great. Um, but yeah, like they, they definitely did see me fall. A good amount of them did. And they had to like hurdle over me saying, thank you for not stepping on me. <laughs> you were listening. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what they thought about it, but some of them definitely saw. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's just got to give you so much confidence going forward that, that, I mean, not, not just the result, the result is great, but the, the, the self-belief knowing that you're that tough, like you, you, to use your own words, you know, the cocky little ass that came in as a freshman, like you backed it up, you know, you went down, you mm -hmm. got up, you didn't sit there and wall. It's so easy, right. To just like sort of point around and to raise your hands and yell at the refs, you know, you know, whatever the officials and, you know, I got tripped or whatever, but that seemed like it never even entered your mind. It was just get the hell back up and get that standard. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, it does. 
it does give me a lot of confidence, like going in to this year, um, which is a year. Um, it's just now it's knowing it's like okay, we're we're finally to the point where we're scratching the surface of what I really believe my potential is, and it's a good feeling, but then it's also a, it's exciting because it's okay, how much more is there? How much more can we get out of me? Does would the, is this going to be able to panel an, an Olympic team? Like I have as good of a shot as any now. Um, and it is a funny switch going from like, okay, like I, I have a trial standard. I'm going to go to the Olympic trials to actually thinking about legitimately making the Olympic team, which is something that was scary to think about before. Hell yeah. Uh, so it's like allowing myself to dream and making like believing those dreams can be a reality and it's not just something far off. Um, like it's, it's happening. It could happen. And I just need to keep putting myself in the right positions. I know I'm in the right training group and just betting on myself, actually, um, which is what I did that day. And it worked out. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so awesome. And if you do make the team, I'm going to take full credit for whatever reason, but just to say like <laughs> the Athlinks podcast actually produces Olympians. So, um, just, just giving you some fair warning on that. There will oh, okay. be a big, big marketing campaign behind it and everything else. So it'll be fantastic. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, that is awesome, man. I just, that, I just, I love that story because there's, you know, running it, anything, running, cycling, endurance sports. I didn't grow up doing them. I grew up traditional sports. Well, however, traditional wrestling is and things, but football and, and, like until you do it, until you feel just how much it freaking hurts to turn yourself inside out and to, to see this story, this culmination of things. And, and I mean, it feels like you're just getting started. So by no means do I want to make this seem like it's some sort of final chapter. I mean, it seems like the first chapter um, going forward, but it's just so awesome and inspirational to see um, because so much of it is mental. So much of it is the, that gremlin in your head going, what are you, you cannot do this workout. You can't catch that guy. You can't make it up that hill. You can't whatever. Um, and I love the idea. Yeah. I mean, like don't focus on killing the negative, just focus on building up that positive and those great thoughts mm -hmm. and going back to the, you know, again, I think you're going to be 10 years from now, still, still, um, uh, you know, living on that, pulling that memory out of your head, going like anything is possible, you know, yeah. I can get back up. I can get yep. back up. I, I hope so. I hope, uh, I, I have a feeling too, that this is like the start of a new chapter. Like it is chapter one, like yeah. of a new series. Um, but yeah, it is exciting. It is, it feels good knowing that those feelings that I had when I was, like not that great of a high school runner but just feeling that in my gut that I knew I could be really like now it's happening 10 years later um and just feeling like it's still just the beginning like that's a it's an exciting feeling it's awesome it's awesome there's been a lot of little decisions in your life that it seems like have uh sort of lined up to start to make some of these things possible and and uh uh, it's awesome. It's it's great to hear. So we're we're sort of uh, I can see the finish line across the horizon. We do a little thing called the ten question dash. You want to answer some questions and have a little fun. Uh, people can get to know you a little bit better. All right, All let's right. do it. Here we go. Okay, do a little uh, 
A little question music here, and here we go. Question number one, uh, what is your gear looking like? I know you're sponsored by Hoka. What what Hoka shoes do you wear? Do you wear several different ones depending on surface, et cetera? What, do you, what is your gear bag looking like? Um, my go-to is the Clifton 7 for okay. training. Um, I use the Rincon for doubles or long runs and Bondi's for when I feel dead inside. Um, <laughs> and then for racing shoe, Rocket X. Nice. Okay. Boom. Uh, next race. What is your next race coming up? What do you have on the calendar? Um, yeah, trial. Okay. Boom. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about it yet. Awesome. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite sports book, movie, podcast? Uh, sports movie. Some inspiration. I'm not a big person, quite honest. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. No. All right. We'll give you one. The Lakers, because I'm an LA girl forever. Um, they won a championship. <laughs> what did you say? What was it? I said go Lakers. Like oh, okay. Team Very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your um, favorite race? Mm, the track meet 10,000. Okay. All right. <laughs> course uh do you have a bucket list race other than the olympics i mean you can you can say the olympics of course yeah oh i mean i know i said that like i wouldn't like i'm not pushing myself towards the distance but something about the boston marathon really does appeal to me of course I, yeah it's very good what's your uh do you listen to music when you run I do. Okay, what's your home stretch song or band on your playlist? What gets you across the finish line? Oh, geez. Um, there's a couple. The most recent one I did, I did do, I had like a solo long run workout thing. And I like put my phone on my sports bra and put the music on. And the song that got me to the end was a bit of a throwback monster, Kanye West featuring Jay Z and Nicki oh, Minaj. The Nicki Minaj verse is great nice very good okay what's your most embarrassing song on that playlist mm. i'm not embarrassed by my taste in music that's the thing <laughs> i'm like shamefully very like kind of music nerdy okay um and i also really like musicals um so maybe the most embarrassing one would be is you up slash just be the ending number from Kiki Boots, the original Broadway cast recording. Um, but I have no shame in that whatsoever. Well, I didn't understand a word you just said in any of that stuff. So totally okay. over, <laughs> over my head. <laughs> I'm either old or very out of it musically with, and probably a little bit of both. Uh, do you have a pre-race ritual or superstition that you adhere to? Um, I do... This is something I was like in my mental performance plan. I do like to take kind of a long shower the night before my race and just kind of like let whatever thoughts and feelings I have about that race just kind of come to me there. And then when I leave the shower, I leave it there and just kind of go ahead and that helps me oh, cool. um, relax and just get a better night's sleep. And you never have a great night's sleep the night before a race typically. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps me a lot, just kind of compartmentalize things. Oh, I love that one. That's great. Uh, mm -hmm. living or dead, who would you most like to share a long run with? Ooh, that's hard. Who do I want to meet? Does it have to be a runner or it could be someone that not I Not at like? all. No, not at all. You can go for a long walk with them even. 
I kind of want to meet Lynn manuel Miranda, big Hamilton fan. Okay, very good. Uh, and then final question, Danny. Think hard. What is the secret? The secret. <laughs> Self-belief. Self-belief. <laughs> Boom. Short and sweet. Love it. Awesome. Very good. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for doing mm-hmm. that one. Any uh, any any parting words for our listeners here? Believe in your training. Believe in what you're doing, and take a bet on yourself. To pan out, even if you fall on your face. Awesome. Yeah, that's very good. Well, thank you so much, Danny. It was wonderful meet, meeting you. Thank you for coming on, and thank you for uh, thanks for getting back up on that track in December. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad I got back up too. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, we'll be rooting for you. Uh, that much is for sure. So um, I hope you have a wonderful 2021 leading into the trials. Stay. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you to stay healthy or if that's some sort of super superstition, but uh, stay healthy. Stay strong, train smart, all those good things. And uh, I hope you I hope you make the team. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, everybody, that is the show. I hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thanks again to Danny Shanahan of Hoka, Northern Arizona, uh, for sharing some of her uh, racing memories with us here. She is Danny Shani. That's D-A-N-I-S-H-A-N-I on Instagram, and then DannyShanny13 on Twitter. Uh, The best way to support this podcast is to click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows. Share it uh, with anyone you think would enjoy it. Um, And please just take a couple minutes to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, So this part is important. We do a special post for each episode on Instagram. So look for the post for episode 25 with a picture of Danny. If you have any comments or questions, and as she said earlier on, if you were an aspiring professional runner, uh, feel free to DM her, ask her any questions, and uh, um, she'll be happy to answer those things. We are at Athlinks, uh, or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com if you have any questions or comments for us. And again, share it with friends far and wide to help spread the word. Until next time, happy racing, everybody.